Welcome to the WIDA Connect podcast series, where we will explore all the hot topics affecting the equipment dealer industry. From industry news, government affairs, and manufacturer relations, to business best practices, technology, and marketing for equipment dealers, brought to you by the Western Equipment Dealers Association, here to advocate, elevate, and educate. And now, let's connect. Hello, this is Mike Kramer, Western Equipment Dealers Association. In this podcast with Association CEO John Schmeiser, we are going to continue our review of Section 2 of questions to ask before acquiring a new manufacturer. In our previous podcast, John explained the elements that make up the term of contract and legal authority and trade area and market penetration. In this session, John's going to talk about the financial requirements and product stocking and performance. So, John, if you are locked and loaded, let's start with item one under financial requirements, namely, what information is required? Thanks for having me once again, Mike. And and when we look at the financial requirements being requested of dealers by manufacturers, we have a lot of inconsistencies based on the size of the manufacturer. This is no longer a business where it's, you know business is being done on a handshake between dealers and manufacturers. Earlier, we talked about having a written contract in place that was preferable to doing business on consignment or without a written contract. And I think this financial requirements that manufacturers ask of dealers speaks again to that need of having a written document in place that kind of outlines the obligations and the expectations of each party. So a dealer should be asking the question when they're considering taking on another product line is what financial information are you requiring? And the larger the manufacturer, perhaps the most more detailed and sophisticated information that we're requiring from dealers. A lot of our dealers are transitioning from reviews to certified audits. We think that is a very, very good practice, but that's also, you know, opening the door for more cost for a dealer. But as this is a you know a two-way relationship, we can understand the manufacturer's perspective of wanting to do business with a dealership that is sound financially. So when we drill down onto those financial requirements and we're looking at what financial information should a manufacturer require, we're hearing things that manufacturers are expecting a minimum equity requirement in the dealership, obviously profitable dealership, healthy cash flow on a dealership. What collateral does a, does a dealership have in place? And what sort of assets should the dealers have set aside to cover the cost of parts and rolling stock? And what is their financial health, i.e., are they financially sound to get financing from a third-party finance company? So, again, as we move away from a handshake-related partnership into a more detailed contract, it's expected that... There's going to be more information required by the manufacturer. And, you know, once again, Michael, I'll state from a manufacturer's perspective, we understand this. Implements, new products, small compact tractors, whatever the product line that the dealer is considering taking on, certainly has a higher cost today than it ever has before. And these products 
They cost the manufacturer you know, considerable dollars to manufacture, to assemble, to deliver, etc. Some of those costs get passed on to the dealers. But we're not dealing with small dollar items anymore. We're dealing with large items at implement level. So it's understandable that there'd be more financial requirements required of the dealer to give that manufacturer comfort that they're doing business with a solid, reputable, and financially healthy dealer. Okay, item two in this category is a critical discussion point, personal guarantees. In a perfect world, equipment dealers would not have to provide a personal guarantee to the manufacturer. Uh, Certainly, it would be our preference as an association that personal guarantees be not required. Again, from the manufacturer's point of view, we can understand why there is a request by some to have a personal guarantee. So the bottom line, one of the first questions a dealer should be asking when they're taking on another product line in their conversation with that manufacturer, do you require a personal guarantee and to what extent? Is a personal guarantee that requiring limited to the equipment you know, or items on their floor plan? Um, Is there a process to review that personal guarantee timeline? How can the personal guarantee even be waived or not required? What type of confidence can the dealer instill in the manufacturer that a personal guarantee is not even, you know, required in in the first place? And then what happens with transition? We have seen some manufacturers be acquired, you know, over the past number of years. And what happens to that personal guarantee with a manufacturer who's sold to another business entity, does it carry forward? Is it expired? Is there a requirement for a new one when the new manufacturer takes over? Those are the type of questions that a dealer should be asking specifically related to personal guarantees. Okay, and the third item under financial requirements, John, this can't be overlooked. It's that broad term other considerations. Yeah, you know, a lot of times what we hear from dealers is they're interested in taking on another product line because they're seeing a change in the marketplace, whether, you know, it's the products that uh, that are being grown or being sold or, you know, what's happening in the construction industry where construction dealers are seeing some of the trends, you know, that are taking place. And a lot of times it's the salesman within the dealership that is convincing the management and the ownership that they should be taking on another product line. And, you know, the argument is, can you do better selling more of what you've got and what you know, or can you grow your business by taking on an additional product line? And the point of this is there's more than just what you can have to serve your market that should be taken into consideration because dealers tell us when they take on another product line, there is a capital outlay that is required right at the beginning. And it you know it makes perfect sense. So you know what capital requirement is the dealer going to have to commit to on their initial whole goods orders? You know what does it state in the contract in terms of the minimum number of orders that a dealer uh, must take from that manufacturer? Minimum number of orders, if any. What about parts order? What is the expectation of what their parts order is going to be? And a dealer does have to pencil this out. You know, what is that cost for the initial holdings order? What's that cost for the initial parts order? And that, you know, it reinforces the point that taking on a product line does involve some level of risk and certainly, a, you know, a level of capital investment related to that. What about product liability? This is an emerging issue. It, it's never going away. And we have to make sure that when a dealer is taking on a new product line, 
they are reviewing with their insurance company the at, you know the appropriate level of liability insurance that they have. Going into a new product, going into a, a new market does bring additional risks, and in addition to financial risk, dealers should be reviewing the insurance that they have within the dealership to make sure that they're covered off in a worst-case scenario. Excellent points. Okay, we move on to another category in this section. This is product stocking and performance standards. You know, John, we're kind of on the money page where dealers get to test their load limits here, and it begins with inventory requirements. Absolutely, and this is one area that I think a dealer has an ability to negotiate with the manufacturer at the time of you know, contract and relationship discussion. But we're seeing this trend with a lot of dealer agreements from implements, you know, smaller specialty manufacturers where to be carrying this product in, in your trade territory, you are committing that on an annual basis, you're going to buy so many units. And in some cases, the AOR just cannot, you know, handle the number of units that the manufacturer is expecting the dealer to sell. In some cases, in an existing agreement, the manufacturer will come to a dealer and say, we're expecting you to sell more than what you have, and we believe that you have the ability to sell sell more. Those are great conversations to have, and what we're looking for uh, in inventory requirements is transparency and a clear understanding of what the expectations are, and a dealer has to make a decision as to whether or not that they can meet those expectations. And then we've got a changing marketplace as well, too, where a manufacturer may see you know, growth in an area, growth in a marketplace. Well, how often is the manufacturer going to come back to the dealer and ask that this provision in their contract be changed? Is it five today, but 10 tomorrow? Is it going to be 15 down the road? The bottom line is an inventory requirement, You know, like I said earlier, involves a fair level of cash commitment where assets of the dealerships have to be put in place to support that line. Yes, there may be opportunity with the product line, but a dealer needs to clearly understand what their minimum annual stocking requirement is on whole goods and parts so that they can plan their marketing and cash flow management in the future. Okay, and under product stocking and performance standards is a dealership's annual performance standards. Sort that out, John. Yeah, absolutely. What what we really want dealers to consider is what is the required minimum annual purchasing requirements on whole goods and parts. So is it dollar amount or is it you know, per unit? And, and how far in advance must a dealer be thinking about this? A lot of these specialty products are, are seasonal in nature. We want to make sure that we're not tying up some of our critical uh, cash flow in a product that we're not going to be able to sell you know, maybe six, eight, or 10 months down the road. This is where a third-party finance company can come into play as well and where we encourage dealers to have conversations with the manufacturers about, look, if you are driving down inventory, whether it's contractual or what you believe the market potential is, you know, you should have some financing in place to help bridge that gap to help the dealers with their cash flow. So manufacturer-sponsored interest-free periods with a finance company are very common in this industry. The manufacturers see the rationale in providing this to dealers. Dealers see that as attractive for taking in inventory and an interest-free period and it helps bridge that gap over the seasonal use of equipment and when the demand for that equipment is. And it will make it attractive for dealers to take inventory to help with the manufacturer's production schedule and when they want to be running the plant. So 
The bottom line is dealers need to know this. They need to have the conversations with the manufacturers so that they can be better managers of their cash flow and ultimately a better manager of their business. Good. Uh, John, what we've been talking about here, and for those who's joining us, it's uh, questions you ask before acquiring a new manufacturer line. It's important to members, and it's something the Associations Board continues to review and evaluate. A brochure on this topic is available on WIDA's website at westerneda.com. That's westerneda.com. John, in our next podcast, you'll be talking about terms of payment and parts return policy. I assume you're looking forward to that. Absolutely. Thank you very much, uh, Mike. I appreciate you having me. You know, our association is a resource for dealers. If there's any questions that you have on these topics about financial considerations or topics that we've discussed in the past or in the future, by all means, reach out to us via our website or our hotline. Terrific. John, thank you. John Schmeiser, CEO, Western Equipment Dealers Association for the association. I'm Mike Kramer. Thanks for tuning in. This has been We to Connect. If you have a question, would like to suggest future topics, or just tell us what you think about the show, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us at westerneda.com, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to We to Connect on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Until next time.